On that note, why don't you pull your Bibles out, turn to John 11. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere in front of you. Um, And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you are free to take that Bible. Uh, We will not uh, try to charge you for it or chase you out of the door with it. It's yours to keep. So if you need one, please take one. So we're going to read, we're going to read a lot in John 11. Um, So please try to follow along. I know sometimes when we read a lot, it can be tiring. You're looking for that water guy on the side of the road when you're in the race to, you know, take a, take a breath and take a break, but we can get through it. I promise. So very familiar account, historical account. So let's start reading in John 11, starting verse one. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom you love is sick. Now when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Now the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus was, spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then... When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see, he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say that, you, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had, been, who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So I have a question for you. How many people are currently going through a trial or tribulation? Raise, raise your hand. Some of you. How many people have gone through a trial or tribulation before? Okay, most of you. Is there anybody who has not gone through a trial or tribulation but believes one eventually will be coming? Is it? Okay, all right. So I think we covered all bases. All right. So I think what we're going to look at today will be for everybody. And if it's not for you, then I probably need to talk to you more than me doing the talking. Um, so we have this, this account, this historical account of, uh, of Lazarus. And the funny part is that the focus is on Lazarus, and yet we don't hear anything from Lazarus throughout this whole thing. And one thing I like to do is when I'm, I'm going through the word, I try to put myself in the positions of the, the people who are in the, the account. Um, I'm not really going to put myself in Lazarus' position because, you know, dead, raised again, there's a lot, that's probably just another teaching to go through. But um, for me, the focus is really going to be on the disciples and Mary and Martha. Um, so as we do at Calvary Chapel, we, we'll go back to the, the beginning and just kind of work our way uh, through the text. So we see in the beginning of the chapter, he says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. Um, and it gives us this account of Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, um, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So, and going further, I'll just read a couple verses more. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he, he, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. So in the beginning here, we get the, 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 um, the plot. Sometimes it's hard not to think of things in terms of a storyline or, or a movie or whatever, but we get the, the beginning cast of characters, right? So we have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And obviously there's a depth of relationship that we see here with, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, and Mary in this, in this uh, text is pointed to as the one who anointed Jesus' feet, which we see that actually in chapter 12 of, of John. Um, and I'll just read that really quickly to you. Um, in John chapter 12, verse 1, says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, um, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, 
and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Um, then Mary took a pound of her a very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was uh, put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial for the poor who have with you always. But me, you do not always have. And, and it's kind of as a side note, but um, it's also in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, book of Mark, chapter 14. There's some confusion because there's, there's, and it depends on what scholars you read, but there's two different accounts of, of women going before Jesus and um, anointing him with oil and, and wiping, uh, using their hair to wipe his feet. Um, one was of a sinner and one, and we believe that the, the other account was this of Mary. Um, it was more out of the, the one, the woman who was a sinner was out of gratitude for the forgiveness of sin and, and, and what the Lord had done in her life through that experience. And then this was with Mary due to the, what had happened with the story of uh, what happened with Lazarus. And again, obviously there's some kind of strong relationship here between this family. Um, and so this is where we'll see you know, him, him who you love. Then we'll, we'll kind of look at those, those phrases uh, as we go on. Um, but that depth, depth of, of relationship is really important um, because as you see this go on and play out, you'll see their responses that there is a little bit of depth to those responses as well as, as they um, finally meet up with Jesus through this process. Um, so where we are at this point, Lazarus is sick, gravely sick. The sisters are very concerned. Their plan, right? They've got a plan. Um, and their plan is, okay, here it is. We get Jesus. He fixes it. It's all good. That's simple, right? And I think we all have that mentality too. Like, get God and the Lord involved. It's all good. We'll be, we'll be fine. Um, so they sent the messenger out to, to reach Jesus. And their message was, he whom you love is sick. And the word in the, the, uh, the Greek for love was phileo. So they said, your brother, your brotherly love, this brotherly love you have toward Lazarus, hey, this should compel you to come to, to heal him because he's sick. Um, and so their plans are, are, are set, right? Makes sense. And I'm sure that they think that with their relationship with the Lord, the Lord's going to do it. He's going to do what we want him to do. You know, and, and we have that relationship with him. He's going to, you know, not that we're pulling strings like, you know, we say the right formula or calculation or whatever, the magic words that makes Jesus poof out of a, uh, a magic lamp or anything. But, you know, this'll, this'll, this is what makes sense to us. Keep in mind as we go along, Mary and Martha have no idea what Jesus is saying to the disciples. So as I read through this and, and, and often read through this, I try to sequester that. I try to, to seclude Mary and Martha and what they were going through from what we read further on. So as we read further on, Jesus is saying to his disciples, you know, the sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Disciples are hearing that. Mary and Martha are not. I think there's times when we are going through certain trials and tribulations and we have that mindset of, okay, this is what makes sense. You know, I always say, we give our script to the Lord. Lord, you don't have to do anything. Just read my script. I have it all laid out for you. It'll be easy. It makes the most sense. Just go with it. I think for, for some of us who have, 
<laughs> walked a little bit longer than others, we realized that that's not, <laughs> that's not, yeah, I've given up, honestly. I don't give a script anymore. Spent a lot of time with scripts. And, uh, you know, I know the Lord's not like this, but my sarcasm sometimes go out. I used to think when I give him the script, I, I always picture like he'd be like patting me on the head. That's nice, Bill. That's real nice. Um, I know he's not like that, but sometimes after it didn't work out the way I thought it would, that, you know, uh, anyway, funny to me. But anyway, so I try to think of Mary Martha, you know, away from what he is saying now to his disciples. Remember, this is, this is coinciding as we all are on different levels of our walk. We're all in different piece, parts of our, our, our journey. And the Lord is ministering us in different ways. He speaks to us and we're hearing him in different ways, I should say. Um, we're, we're at different levels of, of, of growing and learning. Um, but we're all on the same journey. And we're all, and that's one of the blessings of us coming together, right? So we have these times where we can talk, especially in our fellowship time, we can talk to one another. If you've talked to me at any length of time, I, eventually this story will come out because it's been so instrumental in my life with things I've gone through in the last uh, several years. Um, and so what ministers to me through it is the two the, the, the dichotomy of what Mary and Martha are going through, what the disciples are going through. So in verse 4 where Jesus said, this is for the glory of God, um, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Um, and this is one of the things that I think for us as, as believers that we need to be reminded of is that whatever we go through, that is the goal, you know. Um, I know my prayer for, I've, for those who don't know me, I have four boys and my prayer is always, Lord, I pray that you become alive in their lives. And I pray it's never a drastic way. But whatever way it is, I pray that you become alive to them. Um, and, and if it is a drastic way, then a tragic way, then Lord, knowing that your hand is in it and I rest in that. Um, and, you know, I think that's, it, that prayer has become easier over the years to pray um, because of knowing of the Lord and knowing and seeing him glorified through horrible situations. And I know we've all, we've had some, we have stories like that where God's, God's been glorified through those circumstances. Um, I, uh, the church I went to years ago, there was a young guy who had cancer. Um, his first child was on the way and, um, he, uh, you know, he struggled with it and his new wife struggled with it, with it and, and all that they had gone through. Um, but one of the things he said before he passed away, and it was a piece of that scripture of, of where Jesus said, you know, so that seed has to die for there to be life, for it to be rose again, you know. The seeds need to be planted in the ground for there to be the, the plant, the fruit, the, the growth to, to occur. And um, the church I was at, at the time, we actually had to go to... Um, another church, a bigger church, because of all the people that were going to come. Um, and there was many accounts of people's lives being uh, transformed by the, the service. Um, and several people who got saved, several people in his family who got saved, you know, and, and that's to have that heart. And, you know, we would, we would hope that we, it wouldn't take something like that to get us to that point where we desire for the Lord to be glorified. But I believe for all of us, as we have, as I like to say, put on those goggles, we have to have those goggles of, you know what, the Lord's going to be glorified in it. You know, his way, even though I might have a desire for a certain way, his way is, is the best way. You know, and that, that understanding, that belief, and not just cognitive in our minds, like we can write it down to say, yes, get it right on a test, but to believe it, to walk that out is important. So that understanding, and he's saying to his disciples, now understand his disciples, and we know the disciples, they didn't get it till after he 
rose again from the dead, right? They heard a lot of stuff, a lot of transforming stuff. Um, if you're newer to the faith, I'm sure you're hearing some stuff. You're like, what is that all about? Stay away from Revelation for a little bit. Um, grow a little bit, then we can get there. But, um, but the idea of, you know, like Jesus is talking about these things that were contrary to what, what the, the, uh, the, Rome, the, the Jewish public the, and any Jewish religious people were, were um, walking out and believing. You know, same scriptures. And then Jesus didn't change the scripture. He fulfilled the scripture. And that was hard for many to understand. So I try to keep that in mind as well as the disciples. Like, it's not making sense yet. You know, I grew up in, in religion. I've, I've talked about that before. Um, Christian home, Christian church, Christian everything, um, you know, Christian food, Christian gum, Christian, you know, shoelaces. Everything was Christian, right? So I knew all this stuff and I was inundated with it and I could spout out everything. But my walk did not reflect that I had a belief. To the point where in college, um, I had people witnessing to me. I'm like, why are you witnessing to me? I'm one of you. You know, I was ready to fight them, you know, displaying my Christianity. And, and it was very apparent to them that the Lord wasn't necessarily alive in my life. And that was, that was difficult to come to terms with at that time. But um, thankfully, the Lord became alive in my life freshman year of college. And it all, it all made sense. I felt like I went from a pre-resurrection disciple to a post-resurrection disciple. The Lord became alive to me. Um, you know, I remember walking to uh, the cafeteria and it was raining and I was just laughing. I was a nut at that point, but I was just laughing like, man, Lord, you're so awesome. Like, cause the flood and like, I started going like thinking about the flood. Like it was kind of trippy and I'm not a trippy guy, but um, it was kind of funny. And I guess last night I had a flat tire in the rain and I, I wasn't so joyful. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's not always, it's not always the same response. But anyway, but I, 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 what, and that's how for me, I was that pre-resurrection disciple. I was getting all this information. I was getting all this knowledge, but it wasn't alive in my life. It wasn't something I understood to walk out. So the disciples are at this point now where they're getting this information. They're learning. They're growing in the Lord. There's things we know that they didn't get it because when Jesus said, I'm going to die in three days, I'm going to rise again from the dead. They're like, okay, but who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Like if somebody said to me, I'm going to raise from the dead, I have questions, you know, not, I have questions particular to that statement. I don't have questions about, okay, well, what's your favorite color, Jesus? Like there's, 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 to me, it's like, okay, they weren't getting it because they just moved on. Or maybe that's how they deal with things. They were men. So maybe they were just brushing it off and moving on. Um, Cause I hear that's what men do sometimes. But um, anyway, so as, so as Mary and Martha are struggling, right? I, I keep going, whoever side they're on. Mary and Martha keep struggling. They're going through this trial and tribulation. They are in agony. They are struggling with their brothers about to die. And, and think about too, as, as logically you would think this out, you know, the, the progression of that. You know, it's not just uh, in this circumstance, I would imagine, because they had time to send word for him that he's sick. It was, it was, it wasn't just, he was sick and then he died. There's some kind of progression. So I imagine them watching him, you know, watching Lazarus get worse and looking out the door. Where's Jesus? When is Jesus going to come? When is he going to take care of us? When is he going to fix us? The agony of seeing their brother getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, who knows the dynamic? Obviously, the three of them, the, they loved each other, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They lived together, so they took care of each other. You know, uh, there's, there's so many that could be assumed and, and, and just... And, and again, wondered like what kind of relationship they had 
because honestly, I know some of us here, we don't have close relationships with siblings. We have closer relationships with our, our, our blood-bought brothers and sisters than we do with our actual family. Um, but obviously, there's a tight, tight circle here with this family. And so, wondering the, the agony, the, the anxiety, the, the, you know, maybe some bitterness. Maybe, some, maybe they were just, you know, okay, but I know the Lord's going to come. I know he's going to do it. I know who knows what they're going through. But to put myself in that situation, those are the things that were going through my head if I was Mary or Martha. And, uh, and then for the disciples. So they maybe understand the depth of the relationships. Who knows? They, uh, who knows what each of the disciples believed in this um, or understood in, in this relationship. But they hear, they get this messenger hearing that this guy, is, he's sick. He's really sick. And Jesus says he sleeps. And, you know, it's interesting because Old Testament, we know when it says about the, that somebody slept, you know, it, was, it meant death. So the, obviously there's something, there's a disconnect here with the disciples that they didn't equate to that. They thought, oh, well, you know, he's, I guess he's just tired. What's the, what's the big deal about this? Um, but, you know, with this, it's the, what they are going through, what they are now processing, you know, um, is, is interesting to see. And, you know, one of the things too, just an encouragement, and I'll probably uh, spackle it throughout here. Um, that idea of when we are going through these things. So thinking about Mary and Martha and what they're going through. Those are the times, because I know we've all been in those Mary and Martha situations. Those are the times where we've got to go back. And especially if it's something that, you know, um, for some, some are wired to, to go into depression. Um, some are wired to, you know, go through cycles of being down or, you know, being, you know, not, not as, not as easy to just, you know, brush things off and, and move on. Um, and, and, and we know David, the psalmist was one of those, it's a melancholy personality, very detailed, very, you know, thoughtful and just, you know, the depth of emotion and all that fun stuff that melancholies have, um, that we need to make sure that we are grounded in the scripture, grounded in the word, because those are the things that we're going to need to be reminding ourselves of. That's one of the reasons why I love Psalm 103, because it's, it's, the psalmist is talking to himself, you know, and, and that's, I find myself doing this as well, um, mostly by myself, so people don't think I'm too crazy, but, you know, in Psalm 103, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, um, and all that is in with it, within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Those are the times when you're going through the, the difficulties, when you're going through the tribulations and trials that you need to, to be reminding yourself, hey, wait a minute, you know what? God's in control. Hey, wait a minute. You know what? The Lord loves me. You know, one of the things too, and um, I'm one of those that struggle with my past. Um, I know I've been forgiven. I know I've been washed. And, but the enemy, the enemy is such a punk and loves to just whisper in my ear and remind me of things. Um, and, 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 you know, so those are the times. And for me, it's not only scripture uh, and, you know, being a, a former worship leader, I've got worship going through my head 24-7. And it's usually, and I find a lot of times it's battling whatever's going on in my mind. There's been times uh, a couple years ago where I was going through some severe traumatic experience. And it was just 24-7 worship music in my head. Almost to a point where I'm like, hey, Lord, it'd be great if you could just stop. That's so I could sleep. Um, but looking back, seeing that he was using that to protect my mind. But there was that worship going on. 
And so I try to, I, uh, you know, as best as I can, like muscle memory, when, when the enemy is trying to remind me of those things, to, to combat that with scripture, you know, to combat that with worship. Um, to, to be reminded, nope, I'm not that guy, or nope, that's, not, that's no longer alive, or nope, that's been cleansed, that's been redeemed. Or if, you have, if you're a fearful person, you've got fear in front of you, you don't know, but the Lord is with me. The Lord said, fear not, for I am with you. Uh, you know, I, he tells us that he won't leave us, he won't forsake us. He tells us that it's in his hand. All those scriptures that we need to be equipped with, to know, to be able to bring up that moment when, when the battle is raging, when the enemy is shoving that spear into our ear, into our heart, into our mind, that we have the shield up to say, nope, it's not going to happen. And this is why. You think of Job. And the first chapter of Job, all that he endured, right? We don't need to belabor this, but he lost everything. He lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost everything. And we see at the end of Job, Job 1, 20 through 22, then Job, after all this happened, right? Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. You know, there's some people who think that it's wrong to, if something's going on, to be upset. Um, there's some people who think that it's wrong to, um, you know, to, to go through that down moment, that down cycle. And, and we see here, and we see throughout the scriptures, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's specifically talking about even with anger. You know, God says anger is not wrong. Just sin not. Don't sin if you're angry. You know, these are the emotions that the Lord has given to us. So Job rightfully was upset. You know, he, he tore his, his clothes, which was symbolic in those days. They all, you know, tore those clothes, threw um, dust on them. Don't know what's up with his hair. Maybe he thought, that's all I got left. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get lice. The last thing I want is lice. Maybe he shaved his head. I don't know what the, the reason with the hair was. But he was distraught. And he was displaying it. But after that, he settled down. He settled his heart and got right before the Lord and just said, you know what, Lord, it, this is in your hands. That's how, I, that's how I translate it. It's all in your hands. You give, you take. I'm going to still bless your name, you know. And there's times, and we've, many of us have done it, recently have done it in tears where we're like, you know, but Lord, I'm still going to bless your name. I'm still going to bless your name. So, Excuse me. Verse 5 in, in chapter 11 of John. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go again uh, to Judea. Now interesting, remember we talked about where Mary and Martha's message to Jesus was the the brother that you phileo is sick. The brother that you, you have brotherly love. He who you have brotherly love for is sick. This, that the Holy Spirit tells us, that now Jesus loved Martha, the word here is agape. And we know that that is the ultimate kind of love. We know that the word, we get the word agony from agape, that kind of love. So I like that idea how it's not only that they understood that there was a love there and that was their message to Jesus, but the message that we get back that was stated here by the Holy Spirit through, the, through John writing this was that he agape though. He, he had a, a depth of love for them that was beyond just friendship. Um, 
And I love that. And, and I think it's a blessing and it's exciting that we can also say the same, right? That we are, we are him and her whom he loves. I mean, how awesome is that? You know, this, this, is, this is, for me, those reminders of God's love, if you're looking for it, are throughout the scriptures. Um, and we can be named in, in this category. Um, and I, if that's not something that uh, is exciting to you or is, is, you know, alive to you, then pray about that because the love of God, that he loves us. You know, religion will tell you that we've got to earn his love and we can do nothing to earn the love of God. Praise God, we can do nothing to earn the love of God. I, I can, you know, f- do something horrific tomorrow. Not that I'm planning on it. I do have a day off, but maybe, you know, but um, I don't think anything horrific will happen. But if I committed horrific sin tomorrow, that would not change his love for me one iota. I'd have consequences for it and all that stuff, but it wouldn't change his love. I wouldn't be able, to, I wouldn't have lost his love any. And if I do something amazing tomorrow for God and for the kingdom and for the world, I'm not going to get any stickers like, Bill, that was great. You know what? I love you a little bit more. Here's a, you know, here's a SpongeBob sticker. Um, But that's a blessing. And religion will tell you you've got to earn it. And the other religions that are out there, they've got to appease their God. They've got to earn it. They've got to do all these things to make their God happy and to love them. We, We are not those people. And I praise God for that. But the interesting thing here is it seems contradictory, right? So Jesus loved them. So what happens? So verse 6, so he stays a little bit longer. You know, this is not the, the response. And it's almost good that Mary and Martha don't know what's happening at this point. Because could you imagine if you have a, a in your mind, a, a, we'll call it a deadline. If you're in the situation where you're like, this person's gravely sick and it, it's any moment they could die. All right, I love you guys. I'm going to hang out a little bit longer where I'm at. Tell me that would not freak you out. That would definitely freak me out. Um, so again, it's good and bad. It's good that Mary and Martha don't know what Jesus' plan is at this point. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So he stayed a couple more days. And, and I love that it's, it, it harkens back to what we read before. Just for the glory of God. And that's why we've got to look at things that way. Because when things happen that don't make sense, when we sense the Lord leading us in a direction that doesn't make sense or leading us in a direction that we don't want to go. Let's, let's even say that. Um, when it goes against our plans, when it goes against our desires and our maybe less spirit-filled, a little more fleshly-driven interests, we've got to be reminded, we've got to combat those thoughts of, but it's for the glory of God. You know, um, I'm, honestly, I've, I've been down here a little over a year and I was not coming down to South Carolina, clicking my heels and, and singing tiptoe through the tulips. I was not happy about it. But um, I am grateful. And the, the, my mantra was, the Lord's got amazing plans. His timing is perfect. His plan is perfect. Um, and so it's, it's something that I've had to learn to do. So, and the more you do it, the more your mind will do it without you having to force it to happen. You know, and that's the, that's the cool part of it, that muscle memory of it. So, the reminder of his purpose is higher than ours. And, and so, when we see God doing something that looks opposite of what we think he should be doing or desire to be doing or even doesn't make sense, we've got to realize that God's not contradictory to who he is. He's not contradictory to his love. He's not contradictory to his goodness, his faithfulness, his, his, his justice, his, any of those attributes that we know of him. 
And that's why it's important for us to, to explore and to learn more about God because that's what solidifies our faith when the times are tough. That's what enables us to have our eyes on him when the waters are raging and the storms are, are beating around us. So moving on, we'll move on from here. And he said, so um, verse eight, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and are you going there again? And real quick side note, it's just coming to my mind. Again, jumping over to the disciples, to them, it's okay, this guy's sick, whatever. I mean, well, they probably don't say whatever, but they're thinking more of, we go to Judea, we're, we're going to be killed. I mean, it's been pretty tense. Some of the things have been going on there, Lord. Let's maybe stay, you know, they're thinking of, of, of how I read this, my interpretation. I see it as more self-preservation than anything else. So you've got the dichotomy again, the agonizing family, and then you've got those who are growing, learning, and, and you know, just seeing what the Lord is, is doing. So verse 9, Jesus answered, are, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world, of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our, Laz- our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. So it says, a couple things here to point out. It says Jesus was glad. Why was Jesus glad that, that this was going to happen? Well, he knew what was going to occur. I think, you know, have you ever discipled somebody or walked along somebody and you, you're, you're teaching them something, you, you're praying that their eyes are open, they're, hopefully you're getting this point and something is about to happen or, or you're, you know, you know, I mean, it's hard for us to really know, know like Jesus knew, but you know, you see them growing, you see them learning, and it's like, you know, to get to that point where maybe, you know, they finally accept your invitation to church, let's put it that way. And that excitement, like, oh man, this is, this is, I can't wait for them to get to church, to see my church family, to see how we love on each other, to, to hear the worship, to hear the teaching, to, to be able to fellowship afterwards, and we've got food. Who doesn't love food? I mean, if anything else, that's the, we'll keep saying to them throughout, hey, there's food though. But, you know, like, that, that excitement that we have in those situations, and, and, I, and I, for me, this is how I interpret Jesus being glad. He's like, man, this is, there's some cool stuff coming, guys. Just bear with me. And, and then the same breath, you know, obviously the heart for, and we'll see that in a little bit, how the heart for Mary and Martha and that, and the, uh, the, the struggle that they're going through, the, the pain that they're going through. But Jesus is glad because he knows some cool stuff's about to happen. <laughs> and it's for, for them to see and believe that um, he is who he said he is. Um, you know, and this is something too, that if you think about it as disciples, as we are disciples too, you know, we have these accounts in, in Scripture. We learn them, we know them, we believe them. But this is not always something we see. You know, when Pastor Greg comes back from Uganda, he gives us stories of things that we hear things that we read in the Bible. You know, there's, there's areas that maybe your faith background is. You've seen healings and, and you've seen miraculous works done. But honestly, for the majority of the, the Christian population, this is something that was New Testament time. This is not today. Um, and, and we've got to believe, you know, as disciples, we got to believe that, you know what, if God, and I say this all the time, 
The problem is, and it's not a problem, but I just, I say it in a funny way. The problem is we believe in a God who raised, can raise the dead. What else can there be issues? What, what other issue can there be, possibly be, in this, in this world that the Lord cannot handle? Nothing. Now, obviously, we have to be able, we, our prayer should be according to the will of God, right? Um, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith used to say, if I die, uh, he, doesn't want, he said he didn't want anybody to come over and pray over him to come back to life. He said, I'll punch the first person I see. Because he does not want to be brought back, you know. And, and the, you know, that the idea of if it's the Lord's will, you know, because sometimes we do pray for things that, you know, healing, we want healing. The, the Lord's heart is to heal. But there's times where it's not meant because God has a higher purpose. God has a higher plan. I believe that in, uh, in my opinion with death, it's the same way. Some people go like that. Some people it's drawn out. Um, my father went like that when I was 19. And for my family and our situation, it needed to happen that way. It, and the Lord spoke to us in that way. And it, was, and it was amazing. And I know others where it was a drawn out process. And the Lord was glorified through it. A lot of things that were able to be tied up were tied up. A lot of things that were needed to be said were said. Eyes were open. Hearts were given to the Lord. I don't question it anymore. I used to question it. I don't question it anymore. Because I believe that God, his, his ways are perfect. And his plan's perfect. And above all else, his love is perfect, which drives everything else. So, and real quick, a side note with Thomas. You know, everyone, you know, doubting Thomas and down him. Everyone's got their opinions of Thomas. I like Thomas. I, I think he's more like me. And I don't see him saying it sarcastically, which I've heard some people say it like Thomas. Like, well, then let's go with him and die. I believe he's saying it with strength, with boldness, honestly. I believe, and especially for him to be who, who he was as a disciple and, and to go out after Jesus um, and sent them out into the world. I don't see that at all. And actually, when, where he gets the Doubting Thomas uh, moniker, I, I probably would have been the same way if I had friends. I mean, you know. I don't know how they joked around. I think we all assumed that they were just kind of these holy men that didn't joke and nobody, you know, you know, they, they quietly burped. There was no problems with them. You know, it was like nothing was out of the ordinary. They just were these men. They were almost angels, but not. I think some people read them that way, and, except for Peter, and then he gets slammed with everything else. But, but I honestly, you know, if I had, if one of my friends came to me and said, oh, Jesus is raised from the dead, I'd be like, shut up. I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, whatever. Like, uh, you know, that's not the times. Too soon, as we say, you know, too soon for that joke. But I don't think he did anything that was, you know, that he had that doubt. I mean, he was one. He, I want to see. I want to believe. And who, who doesn't want to see? You know, uh, that's our human nature to be able to see, to want to see things. But anyway, uh, and Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed to to strengthen him at that time. So. Um, moving on in, in, in verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had, he that was Lazarus had already been, uh, in the tomb dead for, uh, four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, you will, uh, God will give you. So we already talked about Mary and Martha had a plan. And as she sees the Lord, you know, it's in their minds, it's already done. There's, there's no sense. There's no point. You know, I, I'm sure it wasn't bitter. But I think sometimes, uh, honestly, or I'll just say for me, sometimes I do have the bitterness like, all right, Lord, 
guess it's your way, you know. It's not all the time, but there's some of those times where I'm, I'm in that where just frustrated, you know, I feel like things were going well and then just, boom, something hits. I'm like, all right, Lord, if, okay, if, if you'd only been here and you could have handled this, you could have fixed it this way. And, 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 but, you know, I still believe that you can be glorified. I still believe that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Um, I don't know if that was specifically her heart, but we read here that, that she still has that level of faith saying whatever, you know, but her, her, her faith is limited because at the, what she was desiring is already, the door is already closed. Um, so having our hearts set on the glory of God, you know, and for God to be glorified is what handles those situations, right? That's what turns the heart. Even if we have maybe a little bit of a, 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 a disappointment, bitterness, whatever you want to say in those situations to be able to turn back. But Lord, I know, I know you, you, you desire to be glorified. You will be glorified through this. So help my heart to turn toward that. And we see in Romans 3, uh, 5, 3 through 5, where Paul talks about, we glory in tribulations. Well, why do we glory in tribulations? <laughs> Who glories in tribulation? But there's reasons for it. That we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There's purpose in this. There's growth that comes when we go through these tribulations. You know, when we, especially when we're younger in the Lord, when we have a tribulation, we're freaking out, like we're running, we're trying to find somebody to fix it. And, and okay, but God fix it. We don't maybe necessarily have the faith to really fully trust that God will fix it. And then we get through it. And the next tribulation comes. It's like, okay, I remember what I did last time if we're smart enough. I remember last time, okay, Lord, I'm going to bring it to you. And I maybe not fully understand how this is going. So, as the trials come on, brings that perseverance, right? And as we learn to persevere, and some of you have uh, some more perseverance time than others um, in this world, you know that that perseverance produces that character, but it produces that strength that we need to go through it. You know, I, I've sp- spoken to many a seasoned brother and, uh, who have encouraged me throughout the way of, of seeing what I'm going through and saying, you know, you know, this is for a season. It'll pass. And we know that doesn't always help when we're hearing that, you know. Um, it's, it's kind words. It's, it's loving words. And it's coming usually from a heart that wants to help. But that's what that perseverance process does for us. We hear it. Because in my heart, a lot of times, I heard a lot, it's only for a season, brother. And it got to the point where I'd have somebody come up to me and say, don't tell me it's only for a season. I don't want to hear it's only for a season. Say something else. Just don't say that. And then, okay, well, it's only for a short time period. Then I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. Thanks for that love, brother. Um, but anyway, but, but we have to believe that there's reason, there's purpose in that. There's purpose through the process. There's purpose for us going through each step and feeling each step and, and, and experiencing each step. Because it's, this is what changes the, the mind, which changes the heart. They're both so closely connected. One can easily influence the other. Um, so we see Martha who comes out logically and says, Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But I know I have a belief that whatever God, you know, will give you. And who knows if she was saying past tense, like you could have done it. Or if she's saying currently, because we see by her response that, um, she, she, she wouldn't fathom what he's about to do. So in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
So right there, she's displaying her knowledge and her belief, right? And for a lot of us, we can say, yeah, and we can recite the scriptures and maybe it's half-hearted. It's not, you know, our heart's not fully behind it, but we can recite. Yeah, I know. Yeah, here's, here's my, I can, give me the test. I'll take it and I'll get all the answers right. Yeah, I know. Um, but the thing is, is that she doesn't understand. And, and this is, and I love that Pastor Greg uses this verse a lot from Ephesians, but she doesn't understand that God can do exceedingly abundantly above what she could ask or think. That's, I think, a, a, a good uh, line in the sand for each of us. You know, do you believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly what you can even fathom? Because he can. So that's something that we need to, as, as believers, we need to wrestle with that if you don't have that belief. I've seen things, and I'm sure many of you have, where I'm like, whoa, that was cool and unexpected, Lord. And like, you know, again, another reason why I don't give you my scripts. You got a better idea. So Lord, tune my heart to you. Help me to see you and understand what you have for me. I don't want it to be my way because my way is horrible every time, apparently. So it comes back to, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. It comes back to the idea of these pre-resurrection disciples. You know, they don't get it yet. They'll get it, but they're not gonna, they don't get it yet as to the depths of what God can do. Um, so Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And, ever, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is a core question for each of us here. Do we believe this? Do we believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do we believe what he said that if we believe in him, we will not die? Obviously talking about spiritual death, not physical death. We are all going to have physical deaths, unfortunately. But we won't die spiritually. Christian, do you believe this? Brothers and sisters, do you believe this? Is this something that you believe? Is it something that you believe and walk out? Does your life reflect that you believe this? Um, one of the books I love to read is, um, it's a devotional. It's an, it takes a lot of excerpts from Andrew Murray's writings. And it's called Power and Prayer. I'd encourage you to get it. Um, it was a blessing to me. Um, but he says this, he says, just as faith is hindered by effort, so it also is hindered by the desire to see and feel. If you believe, you will see. The Holy Spirit will seal our faith with a divine experience and we shall see the glory of God. But this is his work. Ours is when all appears dark in the face of all that nature or experience testifies and we still believe in Jesus as our all, all sufficiency and whom we are perfected before God. When God appears to not be doing what we have trusted him for, then is the time for faith. Perhaps nothing more fully reveals the true character of faith than joy and praise. <clears throat> so that idea, as Jesus is talking to Martha, reasoning with her, challenging her, her beliefs, asking her, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am who I said I am? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? So she says in verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So now this is taking it away from, it's not about Lazarus anymore. He's saying, hey, do you, look at me. Do you believe in me? A lot of times, again, we're looking at the, the circumstance, right? We're looking at the situation. 
finances, health, relationships, children. You know, we have lists that we could add on to that. And we're looking at that and then looking at God. Instead of looking at God and then allowing him to take care of those things. You know, as, uh, as many of you know, I, I worked with addictions ministry for 10 years. And what I would see the people who would, would do well were those who not only didn't question um, the Lord, but who just kept their focus on God. Their focus was straight ahead. And as they kept coming to meetings, as they kept coming to church, as they kept fellowshipping, as they were involved, as they kept doing their quiet time, they kept going, they kept their focus. Then they look back and they're like, wait a minute, I don't have this addiction anymore. I don't have this struggle anymore. This is not, there's no noose around my neck holding me to this tree that's, that's killing me. Their focus was on the Lord. Too many times our focus is on the situation. Our focus is on the, the problem. And it clouds our vision to the Lord. It clouds our hearing. It clouds our hearts. It clouds our eyes. It clouds our emotions. It clouds our responses. Because we're focused on the horizontal. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend like it's easy. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. It's a great catchphrase, right? And we know it. We believe it. it the, the distractions of this world is, are doing their best to keep us from doing it. But my encouragement to you is just keep your eyes and keep bringing it back. Keep bringing it back. Keep bringing it back to the Lord. So in verse 28, and when she said these things, um, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were, uh, who were with her in the house and comforting her, and when they saw that Mary rose quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came when Jesus, uh, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So one thing I want, I want to, to look at here is um, Jesus' response to Mary is much different than that to Martha. He reasoned with Martha. He talked with her. He challenged her belief as to who she believed he was. With Mary, he took action. And I think it's very important to understand that. Again, there's, a, a, there's different personality types involved in this, in this account. We all have different personality types. I don't know if you guys noticed that. We're all a little bit different. Some are a little more, you know, uh, creative and, and artistic. Some are a little more business-minded. Some are funny. Some of you aren't. Um, but... I mean, I just assume that that's the case. I don't really know. But, um, but the idea is that we're all different and we're all wired differently. And God has wired us all differently. That's the blessing that makes us, if we were all uniform, that would be uh, probably, it would be annoying. Um, it would be boring, you know. But the Lord's wired us all differently. And he also, the truth doesn't change, but he also speaks to us differently, handles us differently, I would say. The truth does not change. And I want that to be very clear. The truth is the truth. 
You know, he can minister to me in truth in a way that he might minister to somebody else differently because of how we hear, how we understand him. Right now, each of you is hearing something different than the other person from what's being spoken about today. Times I've spoken, I've had people come up to me and five different people say five different things that they, they thought the, the point of my message was. That's awesome. One of those things I don't think I even said. But, you know, it's like what the Lord is going to draw out of you is what he desires to draw out of you for that, that time. He might be preparing you, have been preparing you all this week for something for the, that's going to speak to you to right now at this moment. And I think that's cool that God loves us so much that he prepares us to be able to hear him. You know, he just doesn't say like, uh, you know, honestly, I do this with my son's son. Just, just listen. Just do what I'm saying. I don't care if you don't understand or don't agree. Just do it. Um, so there's a little insight to my parenting. But, um, but, you know, there's times, and I'm thankful God doesn't do that to me, which then the Lord reminds me, I don't do that to you, Bill. And then I have to go through another quiet time with the Lord. But, um, but that idea of like, you know, I'm so grateful that God doesn't speak to me the way that he speaks to you guys, you know, and, and vice versa, each one of us, you know, it, there, it's because of his love for us and his intimacy with us, that he desires to have that, we can have that one-on-one time with the Lord. That blows my mind still, that God desires to have a relationship with me, that one-on-one time with him. It absolutely blows my mind. You know, and that's why I, I, I get excited when I just think about the, tail, the, the veil was torn from top to bottom. You know, that he tore that veil so I could come before him. And I can have that boldness to be able to ask for stupid things. And then he changes some of those things to, to what he desires. But uh, that, so with, with Martha, we looked at that he was, he was solidifying, I am the resurrection life. With Mary, maybe she already got it. Or maybe she was too much in grief that she couldn't, wouldn't be able to hear what he had to say. I don't know what it is, but he, he dealt with her differently. And, uh, you know, that, but it doesn't change what the end result was to be for both of them, right? It's for God to be glorified. You know, each of us come here. Some of us are coming like, I really need to pray with somebody because I'm struggling, I'm hurting. Or I just want to share with somebody a praise that the Lord did over the week or whatever it is. We all come here for different things, but ultimately the Lord needs to be glorified. And I think too, when we have a, a, a spirit-filled body that loves God, then it starts to, to weed out maybe the fleshly motives and the fleshly desires. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but it, you find people in churches who have fleshly motives. And um, I, know it's, I know it's a shock, Bill. But, um, you know, uh, and I've seen that in, in, in places. And, and you know, it, it, they quickly come to the surface and are, are, are revealed because when, when God is at hand and when the goal and desire of a ministry, of, of leadership, of a body is to, for the Lord to be glorified, there's, there's no room for, for the self to be glorified. Um, and so uh, that's, I think that's a blessing. That's a blessing, I believe, in this church because I just, I think we are pretty cool. Anyway, chapter, uh, verse 38. So then Jesus, and I'm going to try to quickly get done so we can leave before Monday. But um, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Uh, it was a cave and a sto- stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days, and I didn't bring any Febreze. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you will always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? (coughs) How often could this be said to us? You know, I, I, if I were to, to have a, a notebook counting how many times the Lord could have said that to me, didn't I tell you just to, to trust me? Didn't I tell you just to believe? Um, I, I would have a lot of notebooks because often the Lord in love says to me, I told you, just trust me. Just trust me. I'm assuming eventually I will get to that point where that'll be automatic and um, happen wholeheartedly. Um, but I do have those times. And, you know, those are the reminders. Okay, Lord, you will be glorified. You will ultimately be glorified. So help me to, to, help me to have my heart tuned to that. And guys, we got to understand too, we might not always see it. We might not always see the Lord's purposes and things. That's where faith is important because then we've got to know and believe and trust that it doesn't matter if I know it or see it. He's going to be glorified. That has to be a foundational fact in our belief and our walk. And I know that people come up, well, what about this? I, I don't have answers for, for scenarios. You know, I've, I've got friends and I've got people in situations who have gone through some horrific stuff. Um, children who have died and, and, you know, horrible things like that. And um, we can give biblical answers. We can give godly answers. Um, and we can give faith-directed answers. But some of those things, I have not seen where God, God would be glorified. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. And that's what we need to remember. And we need to make sure that, and this is where, as especially those who are involved in ministry or you're, you're actively doing something, you're actively, you know, trying to promote the Lord um, and, and reach souls and, and do things for the glory of God. Um, you've got to believe that it's happening no matter, even if you don't see it. Because what the enemy will do, the enemy will get you distracted or, or frustrated. Oh, well, not many people came out. Or, you know, you're not really getting any people who are, their hearts are on fire. Or not a lot of people are giving. Or you didn't really run into many people. Or you really messed up saying that one verse. I mean, you only had one job to do and it was that verse and you messed it up. You know, it's, it's, that's those times where the enemy starts doing that. And you got to say, no, it doesn't matter. It's for the glory of God. You know, the, the, the purpose and what God has for each one of us and the situation he currently has us in. That's why it's so important that we pray about everything we do. And the world thinks we're just too much and we're, 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 Jesus freaks and over-religious and all that fun stuff. And yes, yes, I see God in everything. If I don't, I would be depressed and I would not be happy with life. But I see God in everything and I have to. And not not only do I have to, but I do because it's there. And that's where our hearts need to be. You know, it kind of 
And the blessing with that is that, and, and further on in Psalm 103, um, David says that. He says, Lord, you, and you remember that we are dust. He knows us. <laughs> he knows. You know, I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I, I was always praying, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I forgot. He's like, I, I know. I wired you. I know how you are, Bill. I've, I've known you enough to know what your response is going to be. Besides, I know everything. So, um, but, you know, and that's where, like, and I'm thankful for that, that reminder. You know, when, again, I'm that type of person. If it's not transparent through what I'm saying, I'm the type of person that the enemy tries to beat me up. And I beat myself up a lot, too, from things. And, and no, but, hey, Lord, you know. You, you know that I'm dust. You know that I have, you know, within me there's no good and with there's no strength that I have. Um, anyway, if we, you know, thinking about um, Jeremiah and Lamentations, right? Where Lamentations 3 is that chapter where he is agonizing, right? We've read through it. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through it all. But he is, he is going through some, some stuff. And he's, he's reading out, like, he's like, my bones feel like they're crushed and there's no life in me. Nothing, it's just, if you want to read a, a sad and, and, um, sad poem for, I guess, the first through, uh, verse 18, you know, this is depravity in word form at its best, at its finest or at its worst, I guess, however you want to look at it. But, but, but this is the blessing of it. And this is where our hearts need to be. So then he says in verse 22 of the same chapter, after he's going through all this, (coughs) excuse me, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke of his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put in his mouth... Let him put his mouth in the dust. Uh, There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. And you know, I think for me, and you probably, if you've noticed, sometimes when I'm reading things, I read it. But when things start to excite me, I start to talk a little bit faster and I get my voice goes up a little bit higher. And, you know, it excites me when we think about these things, when we can recall those times in our lives where the Lord has has done a work that's been amazing, a blessing, what we needed to hear at that time, whatever it is. And that's why it's so exciting for us to share it with one another. You know, to be able to say, hey, this is how God is alive. Yes, I can bring it to scripture. Yes, I can can show you how God moves in scripture. But let me tell you how it's alive in my life. See, that's the thing the world can't take away from us. The world can't t- tell me, well, you believe in God, prove it. I will prove it. <laughs> the other day, you know, um, X, Y, and Z. Like, I, we all have these stories where God's done this, done that in our lives. Um, and real quick, uh, just end with a story. So this, uh, this week, last minute, I was told I had to go to Oregon. And um, I got to, Monday I was told, I had to fly out Tuesday, um, was flying back Thursday for work. And one of the people I went out with is actually a believer. And so um, him and I uh, were talking Wednesday night over a not great steak dinner, but we were, we were talking. Um, I don't know how the Lord was glorified in the steak dinner, but um, it had to happen. So, um, 
but in this, he was telling me this story. And I didn't tell him that I was you know, going to be speaking this morning on, on John 11. And he was telling me a story about a friend from his church who, um, and I'm going to flip how he told me this story, um, but uh, in terms of chronology. So he told me that this friend who years ago, their, his daughter had this infection. And make a long story short, it was an infection that if it kept spreading, it was going to be fatal. And so they had gone to doctors and, you know, gotten to that point where it was just, um, there wasn't anything that was able to stop it. And they could see the infection rising. And it got to a point where they saw it and where it was on their daughter's body, it was where the doctor said, there's nothing that will be able to be done when it gets to this point. So it was, I think, at night. And um, it was a night of a church service. And instead of saying, let's go to the hospital, the mom said, I just want to go to church. Let's take her to church. Let's have them pray over us pray over her so they did that and um not to lessen the the story but just for time's sake long story short there the the daughter was healed went away like that years later they had the son who was in a car accident um didn't see this what i forget what the what was protruding out in the road cut a corner too tight basically took off half of his head um, he lived, he was in a coma. They said, you know what? He's not gonna, he's not gonna survive this. Um, and up to that point, the son was questioning God. Um, and the parents' faith was still strong. Um, the parents' faith was, um, prayerful in it. Um, and they just kept going, kept praying. And, um, eventually the son came out of the coma. Eventually the son, you know, regained cognitive skills and eventually the son accepted the Lord. 18 months later, he passed away. The blessings, and there's so much more to it. I wish I could, could tell you the time-wise. There's just not, there's, there's so much to it. And it was a long dinner, so. Um, but, and again, there was purpose in, in why. You know, that, that tragic tragedy that happened for the son brought him to the Lord. And thankfully, he came to know the Lord. And what the parents said was that they had peace because of what happened with their daughter years ago and how the Lord worked in them and gave them that faith at that time period, enabled them to endure what was going on with their son and enabled them, though they were heartbroken, enabled them to rejoice at the funeral because their son had accepted the Lord. They knew where their son was. I mean, there's no greater, I think we could all agree, there's no greater joy than that, to know that our loved ones are with the Lord. And to encourage on a side note, we don't know what happens in the moment of death. So I've, people oftentimes say, well, they didn't know the Lord, but how do we really know? I, I honestly, and, and if you want to refute me on this, I'd ask that you don't, because I don't care. But I honestly believe that in the moment of death, we don't know what happens. We don't know. And the heart of God's desires that, that nobody would perish without him. So my encouragement to you is to keep praying for those you're, you, you desire to know the Lord. Keep praying. Stay on your knees until uh, the very, very end. And I believe that there's times where, you know what, the, the, there's purpose in the way that they die. And there's, there's, and there's something that happens that, you know, there's still a choice that can be made, you know, when we think they're gone and, and maybe they're not. And I, I, I have other stories I could tell that would, would probably strengthen that, my, my belief in that. But my encouragement to you all specifically is that 
what we go through in our lives, that we have to have the mindset that the Lord will be glorified through it. Not only the direction of our heart needs to be that, but also the belief in what we do and what we go through. Because without that, I don't know if we have a a working faith and a working hope. You know, because then when you look at Revelation 21, where God says, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow or crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And then he said, he was sat on the throne and said, behold, I will make all things new. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe those things? Do you believe that that's the hope that we have? That we're going to be in the presence of God where there will be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more sorrow. Everything's going to be wiped away. No more tears. All things will be new. This is, this is, this is our, our hope that we are not here, as Paul said in Romans 8, the present sufferings won't compare with the glory that will be revealed. As brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you is that we need to live that and walk that out. We need to believe, you know what, God, you are going to be glorified through it. Whatever this is, I, this is a looming situation that I, there is no hope on a worldly level, but God, you can raise the dead. I remember listening to a pastor who, who taught on this, and, and he was much more dynamic and energetic than I was, and he was just yelling over and over again. It's almost, it's, it's contagious. I'm, I'm trying not to do it. But he was saying, it's not over till Jesus says it's over. It is not over until Jesus says it's over. I might get Pentecostal if I say it one more time, so I'm going to stop there. But it's not over till Jesus says it's over. So don't lose that hope. Don't lose that faith. Don't lose that, that trust that, God, you are working. And if you don't have that today, I, I encourage you to come speak to me or to, to someone here that you, you know, there's, there's elders here, there's, there's anybody on the worship team, whomever you see that, you know what, if you want to be prayed over for this, if you want, if you want to accept the Lord, whatever it is, you have brothers and sisters here who are, are ready to put arms around you, to pray over you, to, to, to hug you into the, the kingdom or to, to encourage you into whatever you're going through. And, uh, and hopefully all that we do here will, will bring the Lord honor and glory. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we are so grateful that um, we are not here listening to a speech. Lord, we're not here listening to a lecture. Lord, we, we are here diving in and hearing the word of God. Lord, that you are speaking, that you are alive, Lord. That you save yourself, that you are alive and you're sharp. I know I can see with, with some of the faces, Lord, that the, you're piercing hearts right now, Lord. You've pierced my heart through this, Lord. And we are grateful that your word is just not black and white on paper, but it's alive, it's breathing, Lord. And it's breathing your, your words. And we are so grateful for that truth. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling right now, that are going through it. Lord, and you know the intimate details. There's so many things that we sometimes can't even verbalize and you understanding, we have our groanings as well. Lord, but to, to, to have that reassurance, that belief and that hope, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, that you are in control and that you are embracing us, Lord. And Lord, that 
our hearts would be tuned, Lord, that you will be glorified through it. So, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen each of our faith today, Lord. I pray that you would um, take what we've learned and, and, and that we would grow from it, Lord. And, Lord, that we would be able to use it to spread to the world, Lord, to let them know that our God is alive and that he loves them and has loved them from the beginning of time. Lord, we have such a message of hope and, uh, and of love, Lord, that it's, it's just mind-boggling, Lord, that we are even allowed to have access to you and, and be a part of this. Lord, that we have an inheritance that's incorruptible that will not fade away. And we praise you for that, Lord. So as we sing this last song, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be singing louder than our voices and that you would be glorified and magnified. And we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, who was and is and is to come. And we say together, Lord, amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.